0: And welcome back to the Disney World Today podcast. I am your ghost host for the day, Kevin Pope. Hope everyone's having a magical day, magical week. Hope everything's going good with you guys. It is the week of February 12th, 2024. The Super Bowl was this weekend. It's Valentine's week. Hopefully everyone enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the big game. Hopefully uh, you won some money, whether you gambled, did some some pools, some squares. Like I, I know, my work always does stuff. There's always guys running like, like those squares, pools where you get like a square and like you gotta hope like the the final score is like those numbers. Valentine's week. Make sure you get your significant other flowers, chocolate, card, something like that. Uh, this is uh, an interesting one for us. You know, we have a six month old. We're not really, you know, we're not going out. We're not really celebrating that much. But I still got my wife. Of course, of course at least some flowers. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Disney World Today. It's all one word. My DMs on Instagram are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message on there. If you like the show, if you hate the show, if you have ideas for the show, that's the most important one. If you're thinking to yourself, hey, I have an idea for, you know, for an episode, for a list, a top 10 list, the rankings. If you want to talk about uh, a trip you just went on, if you want to talk about your upcoming Disney trip, uh, shoot me a message on there. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the episodes I do are based off of suggestions from you guys, and today is another one of those examples. Also, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Uh, leave a rating and a review. If you do write me a review, I'll give you a shout out on the very next episode. And if you'd like to support me and support the show, you could do so. You could become a monthly contributor to the show. Um, no pressure. It's just hey, if you if you like what you're hearing, you want to give back a little bit. It's much appreciated. The link to do do that is in my Spotify or in my Instagram bio. Last week we talked about building the ultimate fantasy Disney theme park where you kind of go through and just pick one thing from each category. One thrill ride, one water ride, one dark ride, uh, one coaster, one restaurant, so on and so forth. Uh, So it was kind of fun to do. I just kind of I compared it uh, in the episode to like when you do like a fantasy football draft or a fantasy sports draft and you're building up your team, you need a quarterback, you need a wide receiver, you got a flex spot, you got a defense. It's kind of what we were doing with our Ultimate Disney theme park. Um, And I I liked my picks, you know, I thought I did pretty well. Uh, I also compared it to, you know, being a kid and playing those old school PC games. I think they're old school now. You know, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Sim City, The Sims. I always enjoyed those types of games where you could kind of create your own, you know, uh, I don't know universe or however you want to say it, you know, roller coaster tycoon, you're, you're creating your own theme park, the Sims, you're creating your own life, SimCity, you're creating your own city. And I just always wished there was a better Disney version of those things. There was a Disney PC game, I think it was called Disney Sim Coaster, something like that, but it wasn't. I don't know. They could have done so much more. Like, I want to build... I I would play... I would buy it right now and play. I don't even have a PC. I'd figure out a way. But I would buy it right now where you kind of combine The Sims or, you know, Roller Coaster Tycoon, like, combine all those things and, like, actually be able to build your own Disney theme park and fill it with Disney attractions. Like, maybe you want Space Mountain uh, in Epcot. Maybe you want to, you know, add some countries to World Showcase. Maybe you want to... know, completely overhaul Animal Kingdom. Like, it would be cool if you were able to do that in some sort of game. So that was kind of uh, where I got the idea for last week's episode. This week's episode, as I mentioned, is based off a suggestion from one of you guys. I want to give a shout out to Matt HTX, who didn't send me a message on Instagram, but left a reply on Spotify. You can, uh, you know, leave replies. I usually put up some questions on there, like, what did you think of the episode, stuff like that. And he replied to one of them saying, I'd love to hear an episode on the Swan and Dolphin uh, that all the times of me bringing it up kind of makes him want to try it for himself. So today we're talking about one of my favorite Disney resorts, one of the most underrated Disney resorts, I think, or at least I thought it it, it was, you know, maybe things have changed, but I absolutely love it. We're going to be talking about the Swan and Dolphin. All right. Here we go. Your attention, please. <laughs> the Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. Disney Swan and Dolphin Resorts. If you've been following me and listening to this show. I I guess I do mention it a lot. I do bring it up a lot. I I love the Swan and Dolphin. I stayed at the Swan and Dolphin a lot. I I mean, I need to sit down and maybe write it down, but I think I might have stayed at Swan and Dolphin the most. It's close now, recently, with Art of Animation in Saratoga, but there's a good chance that the hotel that I've stayed at the most at Walt Disney World is the Swan and Dolphin. Now, technically they are two separate resorts, Swan and Dolphin, but I always kind of, you know, loop them together, right? It's the Swan and Dolphin. It's not, oh, I'm staying at the Swan. I just, I've, we've always kind of said like, oh, remember when we stayed at the Swan and Dolphin? Uh, I think we stayed at the Dolphin for like the first couple of years and then the Swan, you know, the rest, but we stayed there a lot. Um, During some, you know, formative years for myself, you know, I was changing. I was, you know, a teenager going into my, you know, later teens. I think we stayed at the Swan and Dolphin for the first time, I want to say, when I was 15 or 16. And being a 15 or 16-year-old guy at Walt Disney World, you know, going on vacation with your family can be a tricky time. I appreciate my parents, you know, kind of sticking with it. And doing whatever they could to make sure that as a 16 year old boy that I enjoyed, you know, my Disney vacations with the family still. And I think staying at the Swan and Dolphin played a huge, huge role in that. You know, up until this point, like growing up as a kid, uh, my whole big family would go. There'd be nine of us and we'd stayed at Dixie Landings. We stayed at Coronado Springs. We would get just those standard rooms, you know, that were just kind of connected um, it was just a basic hotel room, you know, two beds, a bathroom, and we'd get, like, the, the conjoining rooms, and that was always a fun time. The last few years that we all went together, we stayed at Old Key West and upgraded, you know, to the two-bedroom or three-bedroom, whatever it was. That was fun. And then uh, when I was 12 or 13, like, we, we couldn't do those trips anymore, and it, it just became a family trip of me, my sister, and my parents, the four of us. You know, and then obviously we're not staying at Old Key West with us four, you know, we're, we're back to staying at the standard hotel rooms. We stayed at, um, we stayed at Wilderness Lodge, we stayed at the Contemporary, which is great, you know, love that. And then, for the first time when I'm 15 or 16, we try this new resort that really, we didn't really explore, hang out around. We knew it was there. We loved the boardwalk area, but we never really spent time at the Swan and Dolphin. There really was no reason to. So now we're staying here for the first time, not really knowing what to expect. And honestly, I think we were a, a little apprehensive because the Swan and Dolphin, uh, as you know, or maybe you don't know, yes, it's it's a Disney resort, but it's operated from an outside, you know, third-party company. I think it's, I think it's Marriott International now. And back in the day I think it was ran by either Sheridan or Weston you know it wasn't your typical Disney resort It was a little different you know so I think we were a little apprehensive like didn't really know what to expect but we were blown away from day one and I think the reason why we decided to try it was because at that time again I don't know if they still do but at that time my mom would get a discount because they offered a discount to teachers I think it was like teachers military and like doctors and nurses, but she would get her teacher discount. And with that discount, it was the cheapest, best option for us and our Walt Disney World vacations. You know, I vaguely remember having a conversation at that time with my parents and us kind of explaining that, hey, we're gonna stay at the Swan and Dolphin. And I think my sister and I were like, again, like apprehensive or disappointed because everything that you kind of heard at that time was like, oh, it's not a Disney hotel. You know, we wanted to stay at a Disney hotel with, you know, the Disney theming and Disney characters and Disney merchandise. And I think we were a little worried about staying there that it was just going to feel like a random hotel. You know, it was going to you know feel like a, a, a random Marriott in Orlando. But I remember my mom saying like, hey, look, I get, a, I get a discount with this discount. You know, we can still go for our normal trips or we can stay at a different hotel for less days. And it's obviously, you know, we're just going to stay there stay at the swan and dolphin and get as many disney days in as possible so we end up staying at the swan or the dolphin i don't remember which one we stayed at first but as i was kind of alluding to in the beginning as a 16 year old boy you know going to disney with my parents like i think the swan and dolphin was perfect because it it felt like it felt like a very luxurious hotel that had all these different amenities it was a cool place to be it was fun they had basketball courts. They had the nice pool. They had the fitness center, like all these different things that I was not used to doing, you know, at our previous Disney hotels. You know, it was even part of the boardwalk area. We could walk down to the boardwalk every night. and Just all of those things, I think, were, it was just the perfect timing for me. And we ended up staying there a lot. We loved it. That first trip, we ended up staying, like I said, we stayed at like the the Dolphin I think for a couple years and then the Swan for the rest, but we stayed there for probably, so I turned 16 in 2006 and I know we stayed there in 2012. I think we stayed there from 06 to 2012. So that's a lot of Disney trips every summer spent at the Swan and Dolphin. So let's get into a little bit of the history, a little background on the Swan and Dolphin Hotel uh, before I just keep rambling about my personal stories and memories there. The Swan and Dolphin is your typical 90s Disney decade hotel. It looks like it was, you know, I guess recently, uh, they did a little bit of refurbishment, so it doesn't really look like it's stuck in the 90s anymore, but the Swan opened in January of 1990, and the Dolphin opened up in June 1990, and it's important to get, kind of get into this, mostly because its I find it very interesting that it's one of those like Disney hotels, but not really. You know it's for the longest time it was like the only one of its kind you know you have you have the disney springs hotels which are not disney hotels yet they're on disney property yet they don't get the same treatment as the swan and dolphin and i'm not sure why that is because those hotels have been around even before the swan and dolphin because my parents went to disney world like before i was born and they stayed at, I believe it was called the Grovesner, which was one of those um, Disney Springs area hotels. Um, I think it might be called the Lake Buena Vista Palace now. Uh, but they don't get, you know, they get some of the same treatment, but not not really. You know, the Swan and Dolphin is kind of included in everything. It's included in all the bus stops, all that stuff. You get to actually ride like Disney buses you get Disney transportation, uh, which is a big difference. That makes a big difference uh when you're staying at one of those disney springs hotels and you're you're relying on a Mears bus that shares you know with all the hotels over there but the swan and dolphin definitely interesting how that deal came about it was a joint joint venture between disney's company i believe it's called the tishman group um that group later merged and formed which is currently marriott international and basically Disney was losing, or they believe they were losing guests to surrounding Orlando hotels. They were losing business in the late 80s to surrounding hotels that could could hold large meetings and conventions and hold, you know, the convention centers. And, you know, Michael Eisner at the time is the CEO. He's in charge. He's all about business. He's all about improving Walt Disney World and the Disney parks. And he realized this and said, hey. We're losing a lot of business to these, you know, surrounding hotels that are housing, you know, the these work conventions with probably, you know, a few hundred guests at a time. They're staying there and, you know, they're coming and going to our parks. What if we could get them to stay here as well? And that was kind of his thought process in building a, you know, a hotel that could house a convention center and hold conventions. And if you've ever been inside the Swan and Dolphin, like their convention uh, center their convention area is absolutely enormous so you could tell they were really going for this and this tishman group that they uh decided to work with was the same company that they worked with to help build epcot so it was kind of you know probably like a handshake agreement like hey we helped you you know with epcot i think we should you know we want to be partners with you in this new hotel uh, michael eisner hired a princeton arch- architect named michael graves to design the buildings uh, at that time, especially he had never designed any hotels before. Uh, he had done some architectural work around the world. I guess he was pretty, you know, pretty renowned, but has never done like a hotel building. He was doing more like, you know, like uh, structures, different, different structures. He ended up doing the post office in Celebration, Florida, as well uh, down the road. But they hired him. You know, his design. There's like a story behind it. You know, with the swan and the dolphin. And the colors very '90s, uh, but if you look at the buildings, the it's like the with like the pink building has like these blue waves, and it's kind of represent like the the swan and the dolphin are both kind of in the water uh, with the waves crashing down. He's got like a nice little story behind it. It's actually pretty interesting. I have the kind of background on his story. Uh, Graves' basic concept for the story of Walt Disney World Dolphin was that it was a tropical island formed by a sudden cataclysmic event. An upheaval by an underwater volcano or earthquake. When the island emerged from under the sea, it lifted dolphins out of the water. And these are the dolphins on the roof. A mountain struggled to thrust its way upward out of the tropical rainforest. That is the reason for the banana leaves painted along the side of the building to suggest a tropical forest. The struggle caused the heart of the mountain to explode and the water cascades nine stories down the side of the hotel, passing through five clamshell basins to a fountain, eventually splashing into Crescent Lake. Uh, He also has like the swan and the dolphin not facing each other on purpose, but pretty, pretty crazy to hear. Like that was his thought process in designing this hotel. Like to me, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, it was the 90s swans dolphins you know kind of makes sense pink teal makes sense he's got this whole story about a volcano and mountains and waves crashing down and banana leaves like wow uh pretty exciting stuff that's that's the thought process i want to go into my disney hotels right like not to get too off track but you know recently we've seen that they updated the cabins at fort wilderness and you know they're building a you know a vacation club at the Polynesian and a vacation club at Fort Wilderness do you think do you think they're putting a story into the designs like this guy did do you think they sat down with the Fort Wilderness cabins and and came up with this elaborate heartfelt explanation and a story behind the design or do you think they just went okay this is modern this is chic this is cheap um let's just repaint it and do this like this is the disney that i miss like when they would put the effort and thought you know into this and like how many people actually know this backstory of the design of Swan and Dolphin not many people do but I think it shows in the hotel in the in the architecture in the design you could just kind of feel and sense that there were you know they spared no expense so the Swan and Dolphin buildings that um that Tishman group and MetLife uh, you know that that conglomerate pretty much of hotel companies, they own the buildings, but Disney owns the land, Disney gets a share of the revenue, and also, of course, Disney has a say in build in the building design uh, or any architectural changes, so pretty much, you know, the this hotel group is kind of like, uh, you know, paying rent in a way, uh, and Disney's their HOA, like, if they want to make any changes, it kind of has to get approved through Disney, Disney gets a share of the money. Which makes sense, and I believe Disney owns that land on a 99-year lease. So, uh, so if they sign that lease in 1990, the year I was born, that means I would have to I would have to make it uh, to 100 years old to kind of see what happens. But it would be interesting what happens when that lease runs out. I know it's a long time away, but it's not that far away. You know, it's in the next generation's generation. Um, it would be interesting if they just kind of re-up that, if they make some changes, if, you know, Disney, you know, gets out of that lease. I don't know. I'm pretty interested in what would happen, you know, and, and I think the big thing a lot of people notice about the swan and dolphin is the dolphin statue, right? It doesn't look like your typical dolphin. It doesn't look like a dolphin at all. It looks like a fish. I think that's a common thing that always kind of comes up. The design of the dolphin is not, was not designed after our typical mammalized dolphin it was inspired by the more nautical version like a nautical dolphin that you would see in like ancient Greece ancient Rome um, with sculptures Um, there's actually an example of one of these dolphins in the Italy pavilion at Epcot uh, in that fountain so like that's kind of how they stylized dolphins back then and that's why they went with that design you know maybe there's some rumors that they did it also to avoid confusion with like the miami dolphins football team they don't want to like I- intrude on like their trademark i don't know how true that is but it is written um, that the, it's more of like the stylized nautical ancient dolphin than our typical you know flipper that we would see in modern times you know the, the swan and dolphin is kind of the backbone of this boardwalk area that was the first to open you know you have the swan and dolphin In early 1990 January and June and then in November of 1990 we start to get the Yacht and Beach Club and then finally the actual boardwalk you know the area that it's basically called well it was a little down the road like 1995-96 for the actual boardwalk resort and the the, you know this area in itself is another reason why I just I've always loved this hotel you guys know I did an episode a few weeks ago on Disney's boardwalk and just how much I love that boardwalk area And I think nowadays, and probably even back then too, I just feel like the Swan and Dolphin has always been overlooked. Maybe because it's, you know, kind of tucked behind, you know, Yacht and Beach and and the Boardwalk. It's a little, little farther and, you know, not that much farther. Um, Maybe it's the fact that it's not your true Disney hotel, you know, and because of this, I've always felt like it was very underrated. Part of the main reason why I love this resort and why I think it's underrated are some of the amenities Let's just start off with the pool. Uh, I talked. Did I talk about it on a recent episode? Yeah, I did. Um, last week, when I was picking my favorite pool uh, to kind of build my ultimate Disney World resort, I picked the Swan and Dolphin pool. I absolutely love the Swan and Dolphin pool. It's very underrated. It's beautiful. It's huge. It it has everything that you need in a Disney pool. You know, I was doing some research research for like a, a future video I'm doing, and I was looking up just like disney pools disney world pools how they're ranked and you know which ones are the best i didn't find a single article a single list that had the swan and dolphin pool in it and what what i love about the swan and dolphin pool probably the main thing is that obviously so it's two separate hotels that are kind of connected in the middle and so their pools are kind of identical just kind of you know flipped like mirrored and they meet in the middle so it's like one giant pool. You could swim, you know, from one end to the other. Um, it's got these beautiful cascading rocks and like a little like waterfall area. It's got a slide. Like I said, it's huge. Each hotel has also like a side kind of um, just regular rectangular Olympic swimming pool. You can swim laps in. Um They have, I know on one side, they always had like a volleyball net. You could play volleyball in the pool, plenty of beach chairs, a little, you know, cabana area, a little beach bar. I love the pool, like walking bridges to kind of, you know, give you a good, good view. I love the pools. The pools are great. We spent plenty of nights, night swimming here. You know, it's one of those things, like as long as you're not causing too much trouble or being, you know, obnoxiously loud. Uh, you're probably not going to get in trouble or thrown out, but we would go night swimming every night there. I remember going there uh, when our it was our 2008 trip with my buddy Brian. We were at that pool every single night, and I would bring you know a football or a pool ball, and we would just you know throw it back and forth as far as we could the length of the pool, and it was just so much fun. I just absolutely love the pools there. I believe they also have hot tubs there. I'm sure um, you know they have a fitness center, spa area and the fitness centers, at least they used to. Now, I haven't been here in a while, but the fitness centers at the Swan and Dolphin, again, we stayed here for the perfect time. This was like a couple years into it. I I started working out probably when I was around 18, really got into it when I was like 19 that summer. Uh, And I remember working out at the Swan and Dolphin almost every single day. And it was to the point, I'm a psycho, I would wake up early, even earlier, go down to the fitness center, work out, shower down in the locker room, change, and then meet up with my parents and we'd go into the parks. Like that's how much I was into it at that time. And the fitness center was great. Um, I think they recently redid it. Uh, I got a lot of good workouts in there and they had like a a hot tub in the fitness area. It was like a locker room fitness area, bunch of gym equipment, really good gym equipment. Um, The locker room itself had a sauna in the locker room which was nice and like individual showers so you could shower in there and it had like the dispensers with like the body wash and soap and shampoo and stuff on the wall so you didn't have to worry about bringing that stuff down it was absolutely perfect it had lockers it was huge it was like two or three different rooms even my dad like my dad would work out there he would use the the sauna he'd use the hot tub we loved it we absolutely loved it we use that every single day You know the when we were staying there the cast member working the desk in the fitness center knew us by name after you know the second or third day in a row that we were going there had so many good workouts there great amenities um they also what was cool too is like they had music playing and you could control the music um with like uh they had like a button on the wall which is cool and i remember in 2011 my buddy chris came with we stayed at the swan and dolphin and we were both, you know, big into working out, lifting weights. And we made like a, a really cringe-worthy workout video there. Um, you know, along with that stuff, the pool, the fitness center, I've talked about on this podcast a lot. The basketball hoops at the Swan and Dolphin. I could probably talk about this forever. But the basketball hoops at the Swan and Dolphin, that court area, some of my all-time favorite Disney memories. Like I said, we were big into night swimming and stuff like that. I would bring my own basketball. I'd, I'd pack a basketball in my suitcase with a pump. So I had like a nice one to use. I could use whenever I wanted. And the Swan and Dolphin had really, really nice basketball hoops. Like they had like this nice court area with these like legit, like official outdoor hoops. I, not like the ones when you go down to the park and it's all like just this big rusty steel with, you know, this, this giant iron rim with no net. They were, they were like legit like gorilla glass um, you know basketball hoops that you'd see at like dick Sporting Goods—they're like le- you know really legit ones, almost look like NBA hoops. And I would bring my basketball, I bring my iPod, my headphones, and I would like just shoot hoops every single night. You know, f- thirty minutes, fifteen minutes, an hour—you know—however much I wanted to, and get like a really good workout in. You know, shoot some hoops, which I love doing, and then literally just take off my my headphones and jump in the pool. It was the greatest feeling of getting so hot and sweaty playing basketball and then being able to just jump in that pool. uh, Just, I absolutely loved it. And again, I've talked about it on this podcast. I I played basketball in high school. I played basketball my whole life. After high school, I just, you know, I had just a bad experience in high school basketball. I was just so burned out from playing basketball year round my entire life. I didn't want to play anymore. Didn't want to play in college. Turned down, you know, opportunities to play at certain colleges took a year off and then you know I kind of got the itch like hey I want to play again and that summer I I started going to open gyms at my college and when then you know we went to Disney and every night I had my basketball workout routine there at the Swan and Dolphin I would put in my headphones and I would imagine myself playing college basketball like that was my workouts and I had I swear, I was like the best basketball player on the planet on that Swan and Dolphin basketball court. I feel like I could not miss. And talking about cringe videos, <laughs> same that same year, me and my buddy Chris made like a a dunk mixtape where we just throwing me alley oops. I was doing different dunks on the Swan and Dolphin basketball court. And it's one of my all time favorite videos. Like maybe it comes off cringy or douchey. I don't really, I don't really care. Like I had a lot of fun doing it, um, and those are memories I'll never forget. Like. I truly believe part of the reason why I played college basketball and you know was successful and or I felt like I was successful, you know, as as much as I could be, were those nights at the Swan and Dolphin like getting up shots. So I talked about all of the fun stuff like the pools, the fitness center, the basketball courts. Um they also have like this nice sandy kind of beach area. I think they had like a beach volleyball net. Uh, I remember being there like maybe the first or second time I stayed there and they would have cool events. Like the one night, uh, they had like this glow in the dark volleyball event out there. Like they always had cool stuff going on like that. But let's just touch on maybe some of the food options at the Swan and Dolphin. They offer, they break it down into like different categories. Um, First, like their signature restaurants. Those are more of your fancy kind of, um, you know, casual, fancy, official like sit down restaurants. Uh, the Probably the most famous one, I think, maybe is Shula's Steakhouse. Uh, Don Shula, the famous uh, football coach, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, the only team to ever go undefeated. That's a famous steakhouse there. They have Il Mulino, Kimonos, Todd English's Blue Zoo, Amare, and Rosa Mexicano. Kimonos, I believe, is like this Japanese bar. I think that's where... Uh, We went for my sister when she turned 21. She wanted to have like her first official drink uh, at Walt Disney World. I think that's where we ended up going uh, was to Kimonos at the Swan and Dolphin. And I believe um, a lot of the stories I've heard. So when WCW Wrestling used to film at MGM Studios back in the mid 90s, I believe Kimonos was the spot that Ric Flair loved to hang out at. So that's pretty cool. Imagine seeing Ric Flair at the Swan and Dolphin in 1995, right? That'd be be pretty cool. Um, I haven't eaten at any of these places besides Kimono's. I think even at Kimono's, we just got maybe like an appetizer. We, we just got drinks. You know, Shula Steakhouse. I've heard is good. Todd English is Blue Zoo. Again, that's uh, I think he's like a celebrity chef. He's pretty famous. Like those are like the two I've kind of heard of. You know, your your you know pretty standard steakhouse seafood. You know, stuff like that a more kind of uh, official, casual place to eat. Some of the other places like your more casual options, their little bar areas, they have uh, you know, Garden Grove, uh, Cabana Bar and Beach Club, The Fountain Splash, Pool Bar and Grill, Tangerine. The Fountain, now that's one we later on started going out of our way to go to. Um, You know, when we're staying at the Swan Dolphin, obviously and we got to try out all of like the ice cream places right when you're in disney like we're always eating ice cream and the fountain is like this cool kind of um kind of reminds me of like a 50s diner you know they uh they have like this you can sit down and get some food there and then they also have just like this little to go area where you can get like just ice cream and stuff and we would always go there and get some ice cream or milkshakes to go we went there a lot again 2011 i just turned 21 my buddy chris came with us to disney I remember us just going to the Fountain Bar, getting some beers. I think we got like nachos, onion rings, and watching whatever was on the TV. Again, just another just another core memory for me. And then Garden Grove, that's your uh, you know casual character buffet. Uh, It used to be character. I'm I'm assuming it still is. I remember we went there for breakfast a lot. Uh, It was a character buffet, and they had I was blown away because they had like an omelet chef. First place I've ever been to that had an omelet chef. So they have the buffet. You can go up, get whatever you want. And then there's this guy just at the omelet station. And you you know, tell him what kind of omelet you want, what you want in it. And he makes it right there for you. We were blown away. like I had never seen anything like that. But we would go there you know, for our Disney buffets when we were staying at the Swan and Dolphin. And then, of course, they have some quick service options. Peekaboo, Fuel, Chill, Java, and Grounds. Peekaboo is the only one I remember. That was like their... Almost like their food court type place where you could grab like sandwiches and stuff. They had drinks, snacks. When I was there, I believe at some point it was open 24 hours, which is something I've been venting about with Disney for the longest time. You know, this is probably mid 2000s. You're at the parks, especially back then. The parks are open till, you know, midnight, 1, 2 a.m., Everything, food option-wise, you know, everything's going to be closed. You get back to your hotel, and for us at Swan and Dolphin, like, Peekaboo was still open. We could go down and grab, uh, you know, a a cookie, a muffin, you know, a drink uh, whenever we wanted. That was always pretty nice. I remember, so there's two instances in my life that I truly remember that woe moment when I realized that Disney was expensive, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand it. You, you, you can't really grasp the, the value of money. I knew it wasn't cheap, but I just never really understood it. And I remember one of the times at Swan and Dolphin, we were eating breakfast at peekaboo, you know, something quick or whatever. And we're getting ready to kind of go out into the parks. And I was like, ah, eh, you know what? I want a snack for, you know, the bus ride or, you know, the parks I'm going to grab, you know, just some candy or something. And at this point, you know, I'm probably 16, 17. I have a little bit of my own cash, you know, not much, but, you know, I'd make, I used to mow lawns and, you know, coach basketball camps and stuff like that's how I made a little bit of money. And I go online, I grab like, uh, I think a, just a candy bar and a, a pack of Starbursts. I remember it being like $12 or something like that. I, I honestly could not believe it. I was like, whoa, what? And again, same thing. The other instant, I remember Disney being expensive and it kind of, you know, me realizing that we're staying at the Swan and Dolphin. My cousin was working for the Disney college program at the time. So he came and hung out with us at the pool, like before like his shift. And I remember he had to get ready. And my mom told me to, you know, walk him back up to the room and she gave us like her room key and it was like, Hey, you know, take him to, uh, you know, the pool bar or somewhere and get something to eat you know, before you, you have to work. I remember we, it was some quick service place, one of the pool bar areas, something like that. And I remember he got a chicken Caesar salad and a Coke. And it was, again, like $22. I was like, what? How? Why is it so expensive? Like, those were the two moments in my life uh, where I had the rev- revelation that uh, Disney was expensive. No, you know, what I remember most about Peekaboo or Peekaboo, however you want to say it, is just like the... Like the artwork or the design was like, I don't know, it just I could still picture that in my head. Um, we didn't eat there much in our later years, but those first couple years we were eating there a lot. Because I remember my dad kind of complaining because it was, again, like, kind of expensive and we were eating there like every day. Uh, but I just remember like the f- kind of funky artwork and the, like the bright neon colors. And I think there was like some weird music or animal sounds or <laughs> something like that. Uh, But I just looked it up, too. Now it's only open until midnight. But I I swear at one point, at least part of it was open 24 hours. You know, all these little quick service places, Fuel, Chill, Java, Grounds, they all all have these cool kind of modern names. Um, And just, again, I didn't really have a recollection of these, but just kind of quickly looking at them on the official Swan and Dolphin website, they're just, you know, small little kind of corner shops um, where you can guess, you know, Java and grounds are like little coffee spots and fuel and chill, kind of have, um, you know, uh, drinks and snacks, you know, bag of chips, sodas, coffee, all that stuff. So, that's the swan and dolphin food offerings. You know, I have to say, the last time we were there was our last trip, 2021. My wife had never been to the swan and dolphin, and she's heard me, like you guys, just rave about it. And so, we went to the I think we were at Epcot or MGM, one of the two and the boardwalk ice cream place was already closed. And it was like one of those kind of late nights already. And the only ice cream place open on grounds was the fountain, which I think is open till either like 11 or midnight. And we're like, Hey, let's go to the fountain. Like my wife had never been there. We love it. Like this is, I love the hotel. Like I used to talk about this hotel all the time. So we go to the Swan and Dolphin and actually, we were coming from somewhere else because we drove there, and my dad dropped us off uh, at the front. And I'll never forget it. Like, I was so excited to show off this hotel to her. And this is 2021, you know, just coming off of the pandemic, I guess technically still in it. Like, we still had to wear masks, and Disney was very short staffed at the time. There was garbage everywhere. And. It was so bad that even like I, me with my, you know, rose colored glasses, like I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is not a good look. Like every single garbage can we passed in outside, in the lobby, out by the pool, like every single one was filled to the brim. Now, maybe they had just had a convention, but still like it was really, really bad. It was a really bad look my wife was like, oh, you know, there's garbage everywhere. Like, this is the place you always talk about. You know, we went to the fountain. It was good. It was still good. You know, I think that just kind of tainted it for her. Um, Love still, you know, getting ice cream or a milkshake and kind of just walk around that pool area. Uh, But that was like the last time I was there. So hopefully, you know, it's not like that anymore. And, you know, all the times we would stay there, I think they call them heavenly beds. Like they, Uh, the Swan and Dolphin beds that my dad still swears were his favorite like those were super comfy the beds the pillows like it's one of those where it's like man it kind of makes you want to take the pillow home with you but I didn't I swear I didn't take a pillow all the shampoos and stuff from the bathroom yes we took those Uh, but none of the pillows another random memory for me at the Swan and Dolphin this was this was 2016 I think we stopped there again I think we stopped there to get ice cream or something at uh, the Fountain. And it was the like the day or two after the Cubs traded for a Chapman. This is 2016. The Cubs are on a historic pace. They're the best team in baseball. They just traded for this lights-out closer pitcher who throws like 105 miles per hour. And his first appearance for the Cubs, I'm at the Swan and Dolphin, As he's making his entrance to come into the game, I'm standing by the Swan and Dolphin uh, lobby bar, and I watched him pitch his first appearance with the Cubs in the bar at the Swan and Dolphin. Now, fast forward to November, the Cubs win the World Series. You know he plays a big role in that. It's just again one of those memories. You know I'll I'll never forget. Now all the things I just listed. You know I, you can tell I I love this resort. I haven't stayed there in a while, so it's like. Part of me is a little afraid that if we did stay there again, it just, it wouldn't be the same. You know, I was 16 through 22 staying at the Swan Dolphin. You know, would 33-year-old Kevin think the same thing? I don't know. You know, I, I honestly don't know. But I have a lot of good family memories there, you know, getting the teacher discount. Like, that's why we stayed there for so long. It's a, it got to the point, especially like when my my buddy Chris came with us to Disney that it was still cheaper to stay at the Swan and Dolphin and get two rooms than stay somewhere else, and we would get the two rooms. And again, again, perfect time in my life. You know, I'm in my 20s um, now. I get my, you know, my own bed. I got more room. I'm not, you know, crammed in a room. Uh, you know, with my parents and my sister, like sleeping on a air mattress or you know sharing a bed. You know, I don't have to listen to my dad snore. Like it was just the perfect timing in my life to stay at the Swan and Dolphin. And again I don't know I have probably haven't mentioned it enough but you guys know the area you you can't beat that boardwalk area your your walking distance to MGM and Epcot you could take the boat to either one of those uh parks you have the boardwalk right there Yacht and Beach Club being able to you know walk down to the boardwalk every night was a lot of fun being able to you know, not worry about having to take a bus to two of the parks. You could take a boat. Me and my sister, we would always walk. Like, we loved getting our steps in there. just can't beat that area. It's the only area at Walt Disney World that you're close to, you know, you're close to two parks, you're close to three other hotels, you're close to the boardwalk entertainment area, yet it's calm and relaxing. You don't get that anywhere else, and that's what I love about it. That's what I love about that area. You really can't beat it, and it's, definitely part of the reason why I kind of always say that this, uh, this resort is underrated. I remember staying at the Swan and Dolphin being, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old into my twenties. And there was always conventions going on always. And we always rented a car. So we would always park in the back and, um, we'd have to kind of cut through the convention center area through the lobby to get to our hotel. So we were always kind of walking through, those work conventions, and I remember saying to myself back then, like, obviously I don't want to work. Like, working is tough. You get a job, whatever. But I remember thinking, man, I hope I at least get a job that takes a work trip, and we have a convention down at Disney. I get to stay here at the Swan and Dolphin, and you know, every night they're all going to the boardwalk or hanging out at the the lobby bar. Like, it just seemed like so much fun, and like one of those things I always wanted to do, and I. I currently do not have a job that would ever do anything fun like that, but, you know, maybe one day. But that pretty much wraps up everything I have on Disney Swan and Dolphin Resort. Um, I did have just a couple random uh, trivia things. I think the big one um, that most of us have probably heard, so I don't know if it's the swan or the dolphin, one of the buildings, the front you see on the building like these blacked out windows. Like there's a giant square of blacked out windows. And the rumor is that this section of the building has the blacked out kind of paint on it and the blacked out windows because this is where they were going to expand the monorail line from Epcot and have it connect and go through the Swan and Dolphin Resort. Now, it's one of those Disney rumors that I feel like has been around a very long time. I believed it. My dad believed it. Unfortunately, it's not true, at least if, you know, you, you do some reading. It sounds like the architect did that on purpose. Uh, you know, part of his kind of, you know, design and his vision was to have the black there. He, it, he said it represents something uh, like the heart of a mountain or, or something like that. But if you dig into it, that's what they say. You know, it would be cool if they did expand the monorail and, and have it go there. It would change that entire area. Um, but unfortunately, th- it's one of those rumors that's not true. I feel like it's one of those that my dad still believes. Like he, he, I think he saw it like on a on a Disney board back in like the early 2000s, and like I just don't have the heart to tell him that it's not true. And the other kind of random fact I have, you know, I mentioned Ric Flair earlier. Um, kind of a wrestling nerd, if you haven't noticed. Uh, if you are a wrestling fan and are familiar with the wrestler Billy Gunn, uh, he was popular in the late 90s. He was part of Degeneration X. He, uh, I, I heard him on a podcast once where he talked about one of his first jobs was working construction and he he was part of the construction team that helped build the Swan and Dolphin Hotels. Yes, that is very random. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode on Disney Swan and Dolphin. If you've stayed there, if you haven't, let me know your thoughts. Shoot me a message on Instagram. My DMs are always open. Again, you know, I know I, I'm I did this entire episode through the eyes of like my sixteen through twenty two year old self, you know. It's weird um, to kind of think about that. I, I haven't been I haven't stayed there in that long, you know, but we still kinda go over there. We're always around the boardwalk area. We'll stop in, we'll go to the fountain. Just haven't stayed at the actual hotel, you know, and It's been been over 10 years now, which is crazy for me to think about because it still kind of feels like yesterday that I was, you know, shooting hoops on that basketball court and walking through that lobby and, you know, swimming in the pools and stuff. And that lobby, they recently redid it um, to just kind of make it look a little more modern. They kind of just changed the colors a little more neutral, like whites and grays and creams and stuff like that. Before it was like, the, the inside of the lobby looked exactly like the outside of the building, like that pink and teal. And I love it. You know, that I know it feels kind of 90s, uh, but I always enjoyed it. I remember staying there, you know, for the first time and walking in that lobby and there's like a big fountain and the, the high vaulted ceilings. And we just love that lobby. Uh, again, my dad loved the lobby chairs, very comfy. Uh, he, he would always fall asleep in the lobby chairs. I, I need to mention, too, they Recently, like two years ago, 2021, I think two or three years ago, uh, they opened up the Swan reserve, like a new, uh, hotel building on property. I haven't seen it yet. I, so I obviously haven't stayed there. I haven't looked into it that much. It's not really talked about a lot. Um, and of what, when it, when it opened and when it was being built, uh, I had to reach out because I think they built it exactly exactly where the basketball courts was and it's not something i'm ready to uh ready to come to terms with the fact that that's gone and now it's, it's been replaced with a kind of more luxurious hotel because that's what disney likes to do now build luxury hotels but that's my spiel that's my thoughts on the swan and dolphin hotel again let me know if you've stayed there what you thought about your stay when you were there that pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Don't really have much else to talk about. Disney news for the week. Uh they announced an opening for the new Princess and the Frog ride. It's Tiana's Bayou Adventure. I think that's going to be the official name, something like that. It's opening summer 2024. It's not that not that far away. Now they didn't specify it is summer 24 is that may is that july is that late august uh we're not really too sure they are testing the ride and again it's it's just splash mountain so they're just kind of running it as usual they did release like a sneak peek too of of the ride and the animatronics are not going to be those projection faces like we saw on frozen which is good um you know, part of the reason why I miss Maelstrom and why I'm so against the Frozen ride is that it just seems like they took the easy way out and, you know, they, they did the projection face animatronics and there's a lot of empty spaces. At least they're not doing that so far uh, with this Tiana's ride. So that's going to be opening up pretty soon. I'm interested to see what they do with that. Is that, what are the wait times for that going to be? You know, is that going to be crazy and virtual queue and you, you have to wake up at 6 a.m. to ride it? I really hope not because, I don't know if I'd be going out of my way uh, on this first trip to uh, to ride it if I have to you know, wake up at 6 a.m. and get into a virtual queue. don't think there's really any other Disney news to cover for this week. I will say, um, you know, I always just kind of randomly talk about my personal life and what's going on with me too. Me and my wife started re-watching Full House. We're at the point now where it's hard for us to kind of sit down and watch like a new show and, and get into it and pay attention without stopping a million times or watching it at weird times and stuff so really what we're doing is just kind of having shows on in the background something that you know we can kind of watch casually you know half pay attention to something to have on in the background and now we're on to full house I don't know I I threw it on one day I saw that it was added to Disney plus because they've kind of merged with Hulu I was like you know what let's watch full house and uh we're a couple seasons in and man I've I really enjoy Full House. I, I used to watch it. I remember when I was a kid when it was on, and we're rewatching we it now. It's a really good show. It it holds up pretty well, and I'm pretty pumped for the Disney World episode. Actually, that's that's one of those episodes that's burned in my brain because I remember seeing that episode for the first time, and I think at that point it's the first like TV show I remember that like took a vacation to Disney World in the show. And I think this one is a two-parter. So I'm excited for when we, when we get to that one. I would love eventually to do some bonus episodes or some, you know, just regular episodes for this podcast. And I would like to do like a watch along to the Full House Disney episode and the Boy Meets World Disney episode. I think that would be a lot of fun. But we're, we're binge watching Full House right now. Solid show. Uh, still hold, holds up. I am now out of things to talk about. It's late uh, I still have to go to the gym. <laughs> my, my gym schedule nowadays, guys, oof. 9 o'clock, 9.30, going to the gym. You know, trying to uh, trying to stay consistent, which is rough when, you know, the baby's not sleeping too great. His teeth are coming in. Plus, like, I, I start work early. I'm up at 4.45 for work anyway. So there's this week has been rough. I've been getting, like, three hours of sleep, uh, but still getting these lifts and trying to – my goal is to is get into – pretty good shape for our disney vacation this summer at least back to the shape that i was last year so that's all i got you guys have a good rest of the week don't forget to follow me on instagram and tiktok my dms on instagram are always open you can leave me a rating and a review wherever you're listening to this and i think that's all i got always remember it all started with a mouse